horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back. Um, odds are really good. If you're listening to this show, uh, you didn't cash too many Kentucky Derby tickets, nor did the rest of the country. But for those of you that did, congratulations. Uh, it was uh, quite the interesting day. Uh, when I l- look back in time, looking at all the things that happened leading up to the Derby, only two people interviewed Eric Reed prior to the Kentucky Derby. Eclipse Award-winning writer Marty McGee and yours truly, John C. Englehart, the regular guy. How about that? We didn't forget the little guy, and he didn't forget us. Just told my producer, Eric Reed, coming out of the winner's circle, surrounded by state troopers. Puts his hand out at like Moses parting the sea. Points at me, he says, I got to talk to somebody. Walks over, gives me a hug, whispers in my ear, I'll be on your show this week, too. Yeah. Yeah. Winning the Kentucky Derby didn't give him a big head. So I've been in touch with Eric as the whole world has been in touch with him. I mean, you know, the whole made-for-TV movie script. Again, it's one of those things, if you did make a movie, they'd say, hey, that was really touching and really warm, but that would never happen. Well, folks, it did. You know, small couple with uh, good racing roots comes up at the hard scrapple tracks like Latonia, Turfway, River Downs, stays in the business, develops into successful business people uh, with with their training center just out of Lexington, the old Spendthrift Farm Training Center. And then six years ago, the main barn burns to the ground. Kay and uh, Eric were thinking about Man, with all the bills we got, everything we got to pay, and all the catching up we got to do, maybe we should just maybe find another way to do a living. But the response of the horseman was so unbelievable, which, Eric, if you go back, it's a great interview. He tells us about how he he just said, I can't get out of business. So he didn't get out of the business. He drew in at the very, very last second. And the rest is history, folks. Winning by three quarters of a length. Rich strike at 80 to 1. Coming from 18th in a 20-horse field, I hope you saw the overhead because the job that Sonny Leone did riding this horse was impeccable. I even think Jerry Bailey complimented the young man. Uh, Sonny Leone usually does his racing on the Ohio circuit, Mahoning Valley and Belterra Park. And... uh, He's first call rider for Eric Reed, and they were not going to jump over some big name rider. Let's dance with the one that brung us. And Sonny Leone brought that horse from far, far back, kind of disappeared around the quarter pole. It was hard to see him. And all of a sudden, poof, it looked like Epicenter and Zandon. The Epicenter and Zandon, and even the announcer was going to Epicenter and Zandon at the last second. Rich Strike gets through. Oh, it was fantastic. And uh, the melee and the winter circle, oh, it was it was just fantastic. It, it's so nice to see 
when good things happen to good people, and, and that happened in this year's Kentucky Derby, including Sonny Leone, uh, who, who has um, amended any sins that he may have caused in the past. And uh, we're going to have the man who got the relationship going with Eric Reed with Sonny Leone, none other than the ace Aussie agent Jeff Perrin will be our second guest. So that kind of sets the table for you, folks. Uh, that's what's coming up this week. I, I hope, hope you had uh, some of the winners on the undercard. If time allows, we'll get to that. But as I alluded to before, excellent call. I was praying this would happen all along. I just watched the national news, and it was on. Rich Strike will skip Preakness. Not because I don't believe, uh, it's not because of anything about his uh, physical condition. It's just, let's face it, folks, that race does not set up for him. Uh, for a horse that loves to call from out of it, the, 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 the race is shorter. Um, the turns they say are tighter. I think geographically it's been proven that they're really not, but it just seems like a, a tighter track. Will probably be a smaller field, no doubt, but nonetheless, it's running style. And now you got Secret Oath in there, only two weeks away. Let's say he hits the board or even finishes. Then can he go in the Belmont, a race that he's absolutely bred to do, top and bottom? By Keen Ice, a horse that beat American Pharaoh in the Traverse Stakes. Uh, you know, I, I, out of a, a smart strike mare, uh, the Mr. Prospector bloodlines continued to pulse through the veins. But it, this horse w was bred to go a mile and a half. He showed us what he could do at a mile and a quarter. And let me tell you, nobody was catching him <laughs> after the effort he made running the final fastest quarter mile in Kentucky Derby history. So it was all right there. Uh, and uh, we're going to get to be kind of the inside uh, uh, track and uh, find out a story that's only hours old about uh, the disappointment that the Maryland Jockey Club's going through. But they, uh, as the owner said, we're going to do what's best for Richie, which is their nickname for Rich Strike. So a rundown of uh, your Superfecta, if you had one. Rich Strike on top, wins by three-quarters of a length at 80 to 1. Then the, the favorite. It's nice to get a favorite that's over 4 to 1, and that was Epicenter. I think a lot of people were counting their tickets at the 16th poll. But, uh, you know, Joel Rosario, at, at that point in time, the 16th poll, I, I got a feeling it was his feeling that uh, Zandon was the one that he had to hold at bay. And you'll see him looking over his right shoulder because, um, you know, he had already, you, you know, passed a, a, a lot of the, the pace setting horses, the only, and he all of a sudden became it. So he, he knew that, that he, had, he had put in away the likes of Messier and, uh, you know, summer is tomorrow. Some of the horses that, you know, were all the, the pacemakers and up from the middle, riding the hair off the sun, of keen ice, Sonny Leone surprised everybody and got the job done. Please make sure you take a look at the aerial view of this race. When they turn for home, you will say to yourself, no way did this just happen. And yes, folks, it 
did happen. All right. So Rich Drake wins. Epicenter, the favorite, second. Zandon holds on for third. Two lengths over simplification at 35 to 1, who just necked out Mo Donegal for all my Irish friends that had that stretch runner. Um, so there it was Rich Strike, Epicenter, Zanon, Simplification, and Mo Donegal, the top five in this year's Kentucky Derby. Just, uh, it's just, uh, just a fantastic day. It really was. Dreams do come true. So if he's out, uh, who's going? Well, the most interesting information this week was the fact that D. Wayne Lucas confirmed yesterday that the Kentucky Oaks winner's secret oath is going to take another shot at the boys. She ran well in the uh, Arkansas Derby where she finished third and would put in an amazing move around the turn. Also going epicenter, the Derby favorite will be back in the Preakness. Early voting won the grade three withers and was the runner up in the wood. Uh, but Chad Brown decided to uh, take him this route the whole time. Jose Ortiz will be up. Then you got simplification. It was fourth in the Derby. Uh, he's already uh, at Pimlico and, uh, Skippy Longstocking, who was third in the wood. Un Ojo, who was forced to miss the derby because of a minor foot bruise, is uh, going to work at Churchill Downs, and they'll let you know then. And then Creative Minister, one of the many Kenny McPeak three-year-olds trained this year. Uh, looks like he's going to come in off an allowance win at Churchill Downs. And then up in the air, and I'm sure it's probably changing right now as we speak, our Happy Jack, Shake Em Loose, Zandon, and Rattle and Roll. So that's what it looks like now. Well, no surprise here. Derby dreams come true for Sonny Leone, unanimously voted a jockey of the week. Well, I already told you, folks, uh, after breaking from number 20, Leone got off the pace setters, got towards the back of the pack, and and Calvin Burrell-like move, hugged to that wood as long as he could. And then all of a sudden, when he was really get his inertia going, the rail wasn't there. And you've probably seen the picture. He gives him a quick right-hand cue. He takes it, goes outside the tiring horses, goes back to the rail, and gets the win. Congratulations to Sonny Leone. What a fantastic job. I mean, uh, mutual payoff, 163.20, the second largest in Kentucky Derby history. Besides uh, Donna Rail in 1913, who went on to be a good one. Uh, Sonny Leon, uh, in case you don't know, he's only 32 years old. Uh, his wife and young daughter were there. He's a native of Venezuela. Uh, as I stated earlier, he's a regular rider um, in, in Ohio and Mahoning Valley, where he's won multiple titles. And uh, he's uh, won over 770 races. So Sonny's going to be around for a while, folks. It's a it's a name you want to remember. Well, a name that will be etched in the history books forever is that of one Eric Reed, the trainer of Richie, Rich Strike, winner of the Kentucky Derby. We're going to take a quick break, and as soon as we come back, a man who hasn't three hours sleep since Derby Day. That's right. Rich, Eric Reed is going to be with us. We'll be right back.
Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, back with me right now from just east of Lexington, Kentucky, uh, is Eric Reed, who uh, uh, you may recall, we had Eric Reed on this show two weeks ago, but uh, you may also know that I'm a highly sought-after ordained minister, and uh, I was taking part in a rare two-week divinity celebration on the island of Bora Bora. And, uh, Eric, I just got off the plane. Did your horse get in? All right. How are you tonight? I, 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 I've never been better. I mean, uh, Eric, I, I, I want to thank you and Kay for making me feel like I was part of the celebration. It was one of the greatest days of my life. I can't imagine uh, how it's impacted you guys uh, on an emotional level. So let's not get there. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Now, uh, we know we got in with the late scratch day call. Somebody telling you weren't in. They, they take away the security guard. The trailer's on its way. Then you get another call from Barb Borden. You're in. I mean, you know, as if you didn't have enough adrenaline pumping as is. So you just kind of described it was the 24 hours from the time you got into the time you walked him over to the paddock. Well, once we got in, I, I had a friend of mine that had just walked around the corner. And she said, Eric, when I got to your barn, it looked like it walked into a funeral. And she goes, within one minute, it was the biggest frat party I'd ever seen. She goes, my God, how did you do that? And, uh, you know, we we were just ready for what was coming, we'd already been told. We got in, and I told all my guys, that's right, this is what we've been here for, it's what we've been practicing for. I said, let's, uh, the party starts now, and then tomorrow after the race. So I said, don't worry, and fret, and uh, make this bad, make this the happiest 24, 36 hours of your life. Enjoy every second of it, because God knows it might not ever happen again. 
man, we had a ball all day in the morning with the walk over. It was just singing and dancing and barbie guys. Eric, can you hear me better now? I can hear you great now. So, okay. uh, in, in, in other words, it was just this uh, momentous rush of, of, of people and emotions. Okay, you're walking over. Uh, it turned out to be a not a rainy day, luckily, kind of overcast. And, and now let's put some rumors aside. Now, now, first of all, were you bending down in prayer uh, in the paddock after you saddled uh, Rich Strike? Some people have asked me why you were down on the ground. Well... We had a little moment of prayer, and uh, my dad, he led the prayer. So, um, you know, it was a big emotional day. Oh, it was fantastic. And now, so in in addition to that, you stated in, in the press conference after that you actually, after you got a beat on him making his move, missed the last quarter of a mile. Yeah, what happened was I, I watched him going into the turn, and he had gotten right in the big ball of horses. And I thought, you know, just find a scene, Sonny, and we'll leave here with some respect. And um, in the middle of the turn, I lost him. Couldn't see him. Had no idea where he was. And my, my one of my best buddies was standing beside me, and I called him KT. And I said, KT, I said, I can't find him. Where's he at? And that's about the time he, Sonny made that big move at the quarter pound, dropped down to the inside and shot through there. And he said, Eric, I think that's you on the rail, fifth or sixth. Well, I was a winner at that point, not winning the race. I was a winner in my mind because he was going to leave there with respect. He was going to you know, be better than we thought he would run. And all of a sudden, I see him running up on Messier. And Sonny pulls around him. And I, 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 I grabbed my father and I said, Dad, we're going to hit the board. <laughs> and um, my buddy KT started hollering, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And that's because he was going to the lead. And about that time, I got lightheaded. Everybody was grabbing and shoving on me. Um, and I fell down the paddock. I didn't see the finish of the race. I just knew we'd won it. And um, the rest is history. It, it is. It is. And it was just, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I... I had to watch the replay three or four times, Eric, before I finally was able to find him because your red blinkers, because of where he was throughout most of the race, were, were covered with a lot of the uh, dirt and mud from the track. So it was it was hard to get a read on him. And when he popped through, then he went by, and he's number 21 on a white towel, and he was being blocked, so it looked like to many of us that it was the two. And when all of a sudden we found out this this rush of, rush of emotion was just phenomenal, and then and then you know to finally figure out who it was, and uh, the rush of people over there, uh, man, we can make this an hour long show, but I've got questions I've got to get out. But, <laughs> uh, all right, we put uh, now. I just know Kay told you you're going in the winter circle. Come on, and made you come. Uh, that was that was great. I love that. My friends don't believe me. I said, I'll get a photo. Oh, you're there, there, buddy. <laughs> but uh, describe to us, if you can, uh, the euphoric emotions uh, when you stepped up uh, to be pr presented with the Derby Trophy. And I thought it was so beautiful. I'm looking at my photos, and there's your father, Herbert, right by your side for the whole thing. That made it all worthwhile. Uh, my dad's 75, soon be 76. 
worked in, you know, I'd be a milkman or a carpenter or a farmer if it wasn't for him being a horse trainer. So, um, and I just, it, it was such a special moment. And the, the look on his face the whole time was, you know, it, it made my whole life complete. Through everything we've been through, that that moment, looking in his eyes and knowing how happy he was. And um, he's a celebrity now. He did a two-hour deal with Sports Illustrated yesterday. So he's, oh. he's, he thinks he's bigger than me, which is great because he is to me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So, you know, you guys are the little guys. You're not supposed to be there. You're certainly not supposed to to, to, to win this race, Eric. And, and I'm watching you guys in the press the, the, the press conference. Uh, and, and, and across the table uh, was your father, Herbert. Uh, it was you. It was uh, uh, Sonny Leone. And uh, it was, um, well, I got Red TR Racing, but his name is? Rick and Austin. Yeah, well, I'm telling you what, you guys were up there like you just won your fifth Kentucky Derby. You were also, you know, calm and composed and with this been there, done that attitude. How, how did the magic click on? Because it, every single one of you guys gave the best interview of your lives. Well, I don't think we even knew what we'd done. I know we thought we won a big race. We knew it was a derby, but I mean, it it, it, it still hasn't a hundred percent set in with me. There's moments when it does. Um, it took me three days to where I could have time after the interviews and the, the zooms and the stuff to, to look at some YouTube videos and see what really happened. And, you know, when I saw my daughter crying on TV, being interviewed, oh. I cried out loud. I mean, I, I boo-hooed out loud. And that's when it finally hit me that we'd really done something special because I know it is to everybody, but we it's just like we can't imagine it's happened and it's still hard to believe. But when I see the footage and the reaction from my friends and the people and the love that's come towards, we know what we've done. But it, it's, it takes a while to sink in. And I just don't think any of us comprehended the magnitude of what we had just pulled off. Well, like I said, you're in the history books. It can never be taken away. By the way, folks, everybody's been tested. Everybody came back clean, you know, uh, for all the, the, the naysayers out there. Now, okay, the Derby's behind you. You've had this amazing emotional event. You, you, you put Richie on the van, and you go back to your beautiful facility. Has that been like a three-ring circus the last five days? What was it like when you got back to your nice little quiet place? And I got a feeling the media kind of had you in tow. I mean, just lined up and we got Richie in his stall and, you know, he's a 10 o'clock napper. I mean, you can almost set your clock by it at 10 o'clock. He's going to lay down and take a nap. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and they were out there and there was all this hoopla and, he, you know, he missed his 10 o'clock nap and he got in the stall. He laid down rolled and he just stayed there. So, uh, we, we did what we had to do all day Sunday and, um, it was relaxing to get back home. And I remember I did a special with um, Scott Hazelton, and I saw he had us get Richie out later today and graze him so I could get some photos and videos. And I said, "Look at Richie; he doesn't even look like he ran yesterday." And he said, "He said that's not Richie. He said that's the Kentucky Derby winner." And, and I'm looking at a horse at my place that trained there all year, and he's a Kentucky Derby winner. And man, it's just hard, hard for me to fathom. I'm getting goosebumps just listening to you right now, Eric, to, to, to be honest. Now, uh, 
let's face it the first step forward as we all know after you have an impressive win in the derby is is to you know look forward potentially to the triple crown um and from everything i listened uh, to 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 you and and your and your owner uh you guys powwowing there's no and to believe me to anybody out there who's a handicapper the preakness would have been a easily a setup for failure because it just didn't look like the cards were going to fall your way. Not to mention the fact that while he's bred and you, I know you've always talked about the Belmont that, that might've taken something out of him for that race, no matter where he finished. Exactly. The triple crown has only had, I guess, 11 winners and only nine for the longest time till we had the, the recent two. And there's a reason for that. You've got to have a certain type of horse with a certain type of running style. And everything's got to just be right. And there's been all the others try it and all the others fail. And, um, you know, Richie is a great big horse. He's not a closer. He's a dead closer. And with the tight turns, the short stretch, speed favorite track, a turnaround in two weeks, which he's never done in less than five in his life, um, there, there was just... It was not good for him. And I'm telling you, I wanted to run so bad I could taste it. And Rick and I had talked long before the Derby about this. Not that we would win it, but we had to imagine the scenario if we did. And we knew it would be a really hard decision. And it turned out to be a lot harder than I thought. We were back and forth. But ultimately, the reason we won the Derby is every move we made wasn't in our best interest or the money's best interest. It was in Richie's. And, you know, we, we'd like to have two or three more grade ones this year. And there's some big, big races left to run that fit him a whole lot better than Preakness. But they got spaced out for the time between races to where it won't gut him. And that's uh, my biggest fear was I, I think I could win the Preakness. He came out of this race so good. But my fear is with two races in three weeks, he wouldn't be able to bounce back. So then there was no reason to run him back like that because he probably couldn't get the third jewel anyway. And, um, so we had to make a decision. I know it wasn't popular with the tracks and racing, and I, I hate it. But ultimately, it, it always comes down to the horse. And if you do it any other way, it's never the right decision. Well, uh, there's a good article out there. And if you haven't read it, I'll send it to you by Sid Fernando, the bloodlines expert. And he breaks down Rich Strike's pedigree. And he said, my God, if ever a horse was run to all day long, it's Rich Strike, top and bottom. And, and I know that... Uh, Mr. Dawson had mentioned uh, potentially the Travers Stakes because his sire, Keen Ice, beat the great American Pharaoh in the Travers. So, um, and we already know how he does with a mile and a quarter. Yeah, and, and you know we've got the Belmont, which is a big sweeping turns. He won't be so far behind just because the pace of the race is the way it sets up. And if it sets up any different on the front end, it wouldn't matter. But. Um, you know, he's got a huge long stretch there. He's got the Travers, which, you know, Saratoga's favors closers and horses that, that, that run like he does. So the best of both worlds is coming up. That leads all the way to the end of the year at the Breeders' Cup, where once again he'll be at Keeneland and he'll have his work cut out for him over that track. But, um, you know, he could be three-year-old champion. He could be anything this year, but he's got to continue to run. So we're getting ahead of myself saying all that. But that's how we have to think. Every decision we make has to be three races in front of us. And that's how we got here, and that's what we're going to keep doing. 
And, and you painted that picture so well about those building blocks uh, at, at Turfway Park in the last several races. And uh, you sure did cut it close, but the, the dream came through. Now, how, like, let's just say in the last day or so, are, are you back to your semi-normal routine of training all your horses at that beautiful facility you have? Yes, Monday I dedicated to the press and Sunday to the press. Kay took over with all the guys. They did a wonderful job while I did what, what I had to do because every reporter, newspaper, everybody deserves, you know, that's their job. They deserve the story, and I was willing to give it to them as long as I could talk and breathe. And I put in probably 18 hours a day doing that. Um, and then we, we, we let them know on Tuesday that Wednesday was, was it. We're back to business as usual. Um, I'm doing one or two a day, and that's it. And we're training Richie. He's back on the track. We're getting geared up for our mistakes. I'm looking at the calendar tonight, kind of marking how I want to get there, uh, where I'm going to breeze him, how I'm going to breeze him. So he came out of the race in 100% great shape. It's uh, And that, that helped me make the decision, too, because he came out of it so good our schedule um he just has to, to to run like he did in the derby in the belmont and i think uh i think good things can happen well I, i've got to guess with all the intense pressure you've had uh, the adrenaline the the mental strain and everything all of a sudden knowing that uh the preakness is off your menu that gives you a little chance to maybe take a deep breath relax probably both you and richie both of us have had an enjoyable day and a half. Took my dad fishing last night for a couple of hours, and, and that was great for me and him to be have some alone time because I truly had only seen him a few minutes after the derby for the first two days, and we hadn't had a chance to reflect and talk and enjoy. And um, I got to watch the YouTube videos. I saw my daughter. I saw um, all you guys. I saw what we said. I, I saw how the press conference went. I got to see everything that I hadn't seen because I was in front of the camera instead of watching it. So, um, yeah, it's great, and it's changed so many lives forever. But I just hope that uh, the story continues because it's almost like the modern-day Seabiscuit. I hate to compare, but it's a little claiming horse nobody thought could run, a small trainer nobody heard of, a jockey everybody thought was riding his first race for whatever reason, and we go in there and we don't win. We win impressive. And um you know, now the fans are behind him. They're telling me that they sent countless emails every day. You know, I know he's your horse, he's Richie, but he's America's horse. And, you know, he's he's created a big wave of fresh air. And, and I love watching horse business have, have some good stories. Well, you know, uh, again, you know, uh, none of this has made you any bigger than the game. It was so neat. Uh, to see you stick with with Sonny Leone, and I got a shot of him before went before he even went into the tunnel coming out, and he gives me this point like, I got this. I, I mean, he's not <laughs> supposed to be confident. He's sitting on the eighty to one shot. You should see how confident he is stepping out on the track, and the horse looks great. Well, Sonny had been on him in the last four races, and he had watched this horse on a surface that wasn't his best with a speed favoring track. And he 
he saw that horse at the end of the race run by everybody and be five or six in front going around the turn galloping out. And that's what nobody sees on the, on the, the, the lines with the numbers and the odds and the post position, the finish. Nobody saw what we saw after the race. And he really had a lot of confidence. And he kept telling me, he said, when we get to the Churchill and get him on the dirt, he goes, well, we got a big chance. We got a big chance. And, you know, I wanted to believe it, but, I'm a realist and been around a long time, so I don't try to get caught up in that. I just knew that the way his running style was, it wouldn't matter if it's a six-horse field. He's got to find a way to get by five of those. And in a 20-horse field, he was going to have to get by 19 of them, and that's a tall task. But when you got a masterful ride given to you like Sonny did, uh, anything can happen. Well, it, it, it was fantastic. And, you know, uh I, I want to thank you for taking time out what I know was an, an amazingly grueling week of uh, answering questions to, to stop by and spend a little time with us tonight. And I'm just telling you, man, from the bottom of my heart, that was that was one of the greatest days I ever lived. I, I can't imagine what you guys are going through. So, uh, you know, we'll be in your corner. Anything you need. I got a gift box of photos coming your way. Say hi to Kay for oh, me. Can't wait for that. Can't wait just, for that. <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing I got doing, you one friend. too alright yeah well that, I, I'll be sure to put my address on it thank you yes sir <laughs> oh man Eric it's it's the greatest I'll let you go get a good night's sleep and the, may, may the next five weeks uh, treat you and Richie very well well thanks for having me on and maybe we can talk before and after the Belmont like we did this time maybe this is part of the process I like it. I like it. I got, I'll get my pinky painted too, but we got to talk about that. Now next you're talking. Now you're talking. <laughs> Eric, I'll let you go, man. You're busy. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. That was great. Thanks. I really appreciate it. All right. Uh, Eric Reed, not too big for the little guy. He's a regular guy. And speaking of regular guys, coming up next is going to be a, a guy that used to be on the the um television broadcast broadcast 800 outlets across north america and uh south america places like peru called the regular guy and jeff perrin who is now the agent for Sonny leone was a regular on that show and now he's going to be a regular on the regular guy racing show here on winning ponies we'll be right back our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, you know, if you go back through the, the podcast of... Uh, uh, winning ponies you'll see over the years i had already interviewed uh, eric reed uh, i've already uh, interviewed jeff perrin and you know a lot of people say boy do you uh, do you get to interview the stars i said interview the stars i make them the stars <laughs> and with us right now ace aussie agent jeff Jeff Parrott. Jeff, have your feet hit the ground? I know when I was uh, uh, trying to get your attention in the winner's circle there, I think you were on the phone to Australia. I don't know who you were talking to, but your eyes were kind of welling up there, my friend. Yeah, it was at that particular point, John, uh, extremely emotional. That might have even been my father that I was on the uh, on the phone with as we were right around the winner's picture, just uh, taking it all in. It was something else. Well, listen, let's rewind, okay, and, and kind of say because, you know, you know, Jeff Perrin, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Then when I tell people, they go, well, how the hell does a guy from Australia end up being a jockey agent in the middle of America? So you're going to have to help me here. Uh, did you have any relationship to racing before you came over here? When did you come over here? And what's your current status as far as I, I know you stay in touch with your family in Australia? And the fact that I do believe you have family here in America. So paint the Jeff Perrin picture for us, will you? Well, I had lived, well, I'm from Sydney, Australia. I was always a racing fan. It's a very, very large sport in my country. And uh, I'd lived several years in Europe where I had met a bunch of Americans whom I'd later visited. And uh, when I got married, my father-in-law at the time owned and bred a bunch of horses. So every time Bill Snediger went to the races into the track, I'm like, I'm in. I'm going with you. And so I just became a race fan, just like a lot of people. Now, Bill Snediger and I later owned some horses together, and uh, I became the agent for one of the jockeys that rode my horses in Beulah Park and at River Downs in Cincinnati. And that career in the business started in Ohio 21 years ago. Wow, it's been that long? I mean, I, I would have said maybe a dozen or 15, but 21, well, you, you haven't, you've aged very well, shall we say, Jeff, over the years. Now, uh, starting out as a jockey agent, were you befuddled? Did you have any idea what you were doing? Uh, de- describe the baby steps one has to take in this business before they're putting a jock up on in the Kentucky Derby. Well, you know, putting a jock up on a horse in a Kentucky Derby is never even anything that you fathom. You start at the local track where you are, you run around the backside, you're trying to sell the services of your jockey to anybody that would like to use him. Um, To get to the Derby isn't, like I said, anything that any of us, you know, really dream about. 
And uh, like I said, I started in Grove City. Um, yeah, I'm still John quite speechless about the whole thing. I've told certain people, you know, in many sports, you want to maybe win the Daytona 500. Uh, in the in in football, you you maybe want to one day somehow some way get to the Super Bowl, and in our sport, it's getting to the Kentucky Derby. So it was a dream come true, but only a dream that came into reality the Friday morning. But, but to actually win the Derby, um, it was stuff dreams are made of. I know. I mean, you know, if you sold this to a movie company, they'd say it's a great story, but it's not believable <laughs> on exactly, every level. Exactly. The, the Jack, the Jackie agency, the owner, a claiming horse, Eric and Kay uh, after the tragic fire. I mean, it's like uh, you got to make this stuff up. And in this story. We're not. And you've got to feel very special, Jeff Perrin, that you were part of the tapestry that put this uh, miracle on dirt, shall we say, together. Yeah, it is the sort of thing, John, that they make movies about. And there was a very good possibility, and the word is this may very well happen. Um, yeah, the, the ride itself is, 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 is quite amazing. And, you know... I think the overwhelming consensus from all of the people I've come in contact with is it's like America. You, you, you got to dream the dream. And this is, this was the win for the little guy. This showed all of the hard workers and all the little people that, you know, great things can happen and you certainly cannot buy a Kentucky Derby and that your dreams can come to reality. And a lot of dreams uh, were realized there on the first Saturday in May. Well put, well put. Well, let's rewind again, Jeff. How did you get introduced to Sonny? Were you watching him beat some of your other riders and say, you know, (laughs) this might be a good guy to have uh, in my stable. Uh, How did you develop the relationship with him? And when did you first notice his skills? Probably about four years ago. And as an agent, you know, you, you're booking mounts constantly. Everything is fluid. You watch your jockeys ride. You watch other races that you're not in. You're looking at opportunities constantly. But I saw him ride a couple of races over maybe a couple of week period, and I'm like, man, there's just something about this guy. It, it's where he places his horses. It's his athleticism. This kid's got some God-given talent. And, you know, he was having some opportunities and things like that, but Something just came over me, and I got the guy's number, called him a couple of times. He didn't know who I was. There were a few other agents on the backside that mentioned to him, hey, if this guy's calling you, you might want to take those calls. You you may want to consider this, because I'd had some success on the Ohio circuit already. And as he said in the uh, press conference after the Derby win, this guy called me. It was persistent. I called him back and said, it's now or never. And it was a tremendous quote that warmed my heart. He said, without this guy, I very well may not be here. And that's the things that movies are made of. Well, you know, I was talking to Eric about the uh, interview on the Diaz with all the press there after the race. And I've never seen a quartet of men who have never been there before act like They'd been there before, including Sonny Leone winning 
the first graded stakes race, let alone the, the world's greatest race, the Kentucky Derby. But Sonny came off so polished in that interview. I mean, it, it had to give you a sense of pride. I mean, he was uh, just fantastically disciplined and in staying right on the questions that they answered him he did so succinctly and the great part was and you'll agree with this that he was sure to point you out in the front row and give you credit yeah well clearly i could not have been more proud he was incredibly articulate he was asked by several people the day before at belterra park how nervous are you about the derby and he said nervous jeff and i are excited I'm incredibly excited. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. And so he went into the race and and quoted in some of these press conferences, I know my horse. Nobody else knows my horse. And as a group, collectively with Eric and the team and the owner, we just always felt this horse is crying out for more ground. You know, and horses flew in from... Dubai and from China and from Florida and from California and from New York. This horse has been sitting on the racetrack at Churchill Downs for two weeks, taking care of his business. He didn't have to travel. His most recent breeze was outstanding. And he was one of the very, very few horses, John, in the Derby that had already run at Churchill Downs. Not only did he run, but he won by 18 lengths. And this is when he's a two-year-old. So this horse was just getting better and better and better. But notably, in every one of those races, he was coming from the back of the pack. And I'd said to some of my close friends in weeks prior, I don't know if he gets in, and I don't know if he wins the Derby. But a couple of things I will guarantee you. He will be running harder and faster at at the end of this race than most other horses. Because most other horses will be looking for the wire, and it'll be a distance really not to their liking. What I cannot tell you is when that transpires where the winning post is. But when they went 21 and 45, Eric's wife and I, Kay, we looked at each other and both simultaneously said, ooh, that's too fast. At the top of the lane, (laughs) she grabbed my arm and she said, I think we're going to hit the board. And I looked her dead in the eye. I looked back up on the screen, watched it came down. And when he was running up behind Messier, I know Sonny well enough to know, when he's got horse, he doesn't check. He doesn't get in trouble. He takes that path. And I grabbed her and I said, Kay, I think we're going to win the Derby. I think we're going to win the Derby. And as I said that, I got chills. And I think I said it 10 or 15 times. The last three times I tried it, <laughs> I, I said it. Nothing came out of my mouth. And then the out-of-body experience that occurred was just the thing that dreams are made of. Uh, and, and it was. And, and that was – it was almost like a house party in the winter circle because everybody kind of knew you. Could, it was filled with regular guys. Okay. I mean, sure, the governor was there and the sportscaster was there and stuff. But for the most part, when you looked around, you were like, yeah, these are people I might run into a bar in Lexington. You know what I mean? And that was was a great What I've said to John, what I've said to many, many people is that this group of people, the connections with Eric, myself and Sonny, come Sunday, we were the same people on Friday that did the things that we did that put us into a position to be even part of the Kentucky Derby, let alone win it. 
and you can never forget what got you there. So, you know, there's talk about, well, maybe he'll go there and maybe he'll go there. You can never forget the people that were part of realizing your dream. And it was a fantastic team effort, including uh, everybody that works uh, at, at Mercury Equine and Jerry Dixon Jr. I mean, just everybody that, oh. that had something to do with this horse is so good that, yeah, all right, now let me let, me let you weigh in on this. <clears throat> the decision to pass the Preakness to go to the Belmont, I'll shut up. Eric Reed's decision to pass the Preakness and the owner, Rich Dawson's decision, shows you that they have put the horse first. They have excluded any ego. They have made a decision in the best interest for the horse, which is what they've done from day one, and it is the reason they are the Kentucky Derby champions. Uh, the Belmont is a distance much to his liking. Eric doesn't run horses back quickly. The distance was not in his favor. And to run him back so quickly after what he's done for the whole entire country, um, I think it just speaks volumes of these are the type of people we want in the business. So let's dream again. If he gets to the Belmont and he wins, he'll win because he skipped the Preakness. Absolutely, Jeff. I I, I have to t- totally agree with you. I, I my fingers were crossed, this sounds crazy, waiting for some headline to come out saying that Rich Strike to pass Preakness. Heck, I was just watching NBC Nightly News and Eric and the horse were on, and that was, and that was, that was the headline. To me, that was the best news ever because if you go back, uh, you can be a pedigree enthusiast or not, but you go back to this horse's uh, pedigree and female family, I mean, he's bred to run all day long. And meanwhile, by passing the Preakness, a couple other horses are going to leave the race on the table. Okay, they're they're not going to be there. So who knows who's going to show up for the Preakness to to face a a record-setting late runner in the Belmont Stakes? Yeah. Did I say Preakness? I meant the Belmont Stakes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, John, I was yeah. on a a radio show in Australia uh, the day before yesterday, and and what I pointed out to the people in the show is that Mike Battaglia tagged this horse morning light on at thirty to one when we entered and nominated the horse and they had the draw on the Monday, uh, they kind of just forgot about him. And, and it's a little bit like the NFL. You want to be with a team that is getting into the playoffs that are the healthiest and playing the best. It doesn't matter who's gone 14 and 0. It's who's doing their best going into the playoffs. The Kentucky Derby is the same. Eric did a masterful job of preparing this horse for his best on the day that meant the most. And that's probably part of the reason that he drifted out in the odds because he prepared the horse to be the best version of himself this day. And that is exactly what happened. So Eric Reed's not going to change what he does. He's always going to do. And, and Kay's the same. They, they love these horses. And now this is the most beloved horse ever to be in the Reed stable. They will only ever do the right thing by the horse. If you do the right thing by the horse, everything else will take care of itself. 
Well, that's what he's been doing. Well, uh, Jeff Perrin, you know, this brings us back to to the days at River Downs when you used to set to me, uh, sit next to me on the set of the regular guy <laughs> handicapping show. I we mean, did, we go John, back back we, in the day, yes. and we and we and we would handicap each one of the upcoming races at River Downs. So I. I want to thank you for that because that was a very special time. That was so sweet. And that's, uh, you know, we've known each other for years. It was great to see you there right by the winner's circle. You know, the overwhelming thing is that this race, this win, this is America. This is America on the comeback. This is for the little guy. It was just absolutely magic. Uh, write those words down, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Perrin, thanks a million uh, for, for being with us. It's great talking to you. I'll catch you up down the road. I know where you live. Don't worry about that. I also want to thank Eric Reed taking all the time out, 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 of, out of his busy schedule. And hopefully when your uh, derby day came up, uh, with uh, you went the route I was strongly suggesting, and that was Bet US for all your gambling needs. I mean, don't forget the sports book's been around almost three decades now, so they wouldn't be a business if they didn't take care of their business. Uh, they've been pioneers in the sports book industry uh, for almost three decades, as I stated, and you also. I mean, if it's a slow race day, they got action on every sport across the world. So uh, play with the proven mainstay, betus.com. Check them out. Also, pull down the easy win forms from winning ponies. And we're going to put you, like Eric and Jeff, in the winner's circle. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies. And it's so nice to be back in the saddle with my longtime producer, Josh Bygosh. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.